Mr. Mark Selby, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Mr. Matthew Gordon. I am glad to hear it. Wow, it's kind of busy. Things are busy out there. And we're going to talk about a lot of company news on this conversation. Lots of company news. We're, we're, we're doubling up um, this week. But first, as always, we better start with the markets. Uh, what can you tell us? Yeah, no, no. It's been two and a half weeks since we last talked. But but as always, the nickel markets uh, never dull. Um, we we did a 5% up and down round trip um, You know, during that period. Uh, prices uh, broke all the way down to the $15,500 level of $7 a pound for the non-metric people. Um, and then literally, you know, within 48 hours on the basis of some news in terms of, you know, Indonesian pricing being set by the Indonesian government, you know, that, that the, the price ripped uh, back up 5%, you know, back up to a, the almost $17,000 a ton. And now we're settling in either side of, of 16500 I, again, I think you'll see another few little bumps down uh, over the next few days. But, you know, I, again, I think two things. One, you know, we had flagged that Indonesian news coming at the end of the month. Um, there was there was a tidbit of it. They haven't sort of talked about the whole piece of it yet. So that's still to come um, before year end. And then the other piece we talked about is is a short covering rally. Again, you know, the reason you saw that massive whip is that, you know, that that trade down went well down into the cost curve. And, and if you're you know, there was a massive short position in the nickel market um, right now in terms of the reported uh, net short position. And so if your downside risk versus upside starts to really skew in one direction, all you know, you're always going to see a bunch of short covering. And that's what we saw. And so that's why it was such a face rip down and a face rip, um, you know, uh, back up again. Um, you know, I think one of the things just just in terms of, you know, people have been asking around, OK, how, you know, how low could they go? Um, just as a rule of thumb across most of the base metals, uh, again, I've been doing this for 20 years, you know, and as a you know pretty good rule of thumb um, is that in the short term, you know, prices can fall down into the 70th percentile of the cost curve, which for nickel, I think sitting around that $15,000, $16,000 ton level. And then uh, on a long-term basis, you know, a good long-term price is basically the 90th percentile you know, of, of what the cost curve is going to look like, um, you know, in, in the future. And so, you know, again, and that's sitting up around, you know, the, the, the $19,000, $20,000 ton mark um, right now. So, um, and again, given, given the grade pressures and so forth uh, on laterite supplies in, in Asia, I think, you know, that's why we think that, you know, that long-term price is going to continue to grind higher uh, going forward, right? Can I can I just ask you a couple of things before we kind of yeah. move on, which which is around um, some of the things that influence uh, nickel price. You've, you've touched upon some of them um, in terms of inventory levels. Is there kind of seasonality to this? Is a predictability to this? You, you have kind of called it right for the last three years, so I'm guessing there are, there is a formula. So what what should people be aware of or looking at? Yeah, inventories are tricky. Like they're they're almost uh, almost sort of a lagging indicator. Um, you know, to be honest, I thought we would have seen, you know, given the talk of massive surpluses, given the talk of more LME brands being delivered, and I know a bunch of market participants were short, that we would have seen, you know, some people dumping some LM nickel into the LME just as a way to kind of try and, and, and knock it down. And we haven't seen it. Like we've seen a gradual increase in stocks. You know, I still think we may see another five or 10,000 tons before year end because, you know, you know, people will want to, you know, the advantage of the LME is if you need to sell your metal, you can, you know, sell it to the LME and, and you know, uh, you know, book your revenue for the year. So, um, you know, I, I think we'll st I still think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, uh, 
we could see a little uh, dump on there, but you know, inventories, LME inventories are just one component of, of many inventories. So I would say, you know, they're helpful. Um, they can confirm where things are going, but they're not necessarily a good leading indicator of where things are going to go. Right. Okay. And of course, see some, some of the other indicators would be, you know, what's happening with copper, what's happening with, with iron ore, what's that telling you? Yeah. So, so uh, again, you know, our thesis is, uh, you know, once we go through this, this, this downward bump that, you know, the, the market, uh, you know, given interest rates coming off and, uh, you know, China trying to re-stimulate their economy and the battery market finally uh, getting to a point where lithium prices will stop going down and, and so we can stop uh, destocking. Um, and so, you know, the, the good part is you, it's nice to see sort of the broader trend confirmed in multiple markets. So iron ore is always a good one for that because, you know, it's a bulky material. Steel is a bulky material. So you're not going to you know, spend a lot of money stockpiling, you know, massive inventories of steel, you know, to, to try and catch a higher price. You know, it, to me, it's always been a generally a good sign. If, if that market starts to look healthy, you know, then that's a good sign that the, you know, sort of broader, uh, broader economies are picking up and then copper specifically, you know, we're seeing concentrate terms come down, premiums go up, um, and those are both good signs that the Chinese want to start buying buying copper at these prices again. You know, a good sign that you know that the Chinese are starting to feel confident about where things are headed for twenty twenty four. It's actually interesting. Just building building on that point, we you know we, we wrote a piece um, I think just this morning. Uh, the CEO of Valet is saying you know the China is important, but he's actually saying broader signals in the broader market uh, as well, so that perhaps China's influence will. Will not be the 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 sole driver. Certainly, this isn't in the context of iron ore, obviously, but in terms of its reflection onto some of the other some some of the other metals. Um, I thought that was a that was a great point. He's starting to see green sheets. I think it was the, was the basic gist um, there. Oh um, no, for sure. Right. You're, you're you're seeing you're seeing um, you're seeing you know iron steel prices move higher in in the U.S. and Europe and other markets. So so again, that's sort of a. a you know, again, a good good signal that the broader economies are starting starting to pick up. Yep, yep. Uh, and, and I tell you what, and before we quickly move on, is again, we saw um, a little note. We, we've talked about it on multiple occasions with regards to you know Indonesia's uh, desire to kind of create the OPEC for nickel and, and no OPEC. What are we? What it was? What's it going to be called? Be called? What are they calling it? What's yeah, the, the OPEC of nickel. Yeah, yeah. OPEC of nickel. Right. I think. Okay, I got that right. Uh, how to run a Um And <laughs> we're, you know, are you, are you, do you see some of the other sort of big nickel producers, Indonesia representing a, you know, a big chunk of that? Do you see the other kind of um, nickel producing uh, regions signing up to something like that? Is would it be good for nickel, or is this really a case of given China's influence and shadowing over the Indonesian production? Do you think people will want to go their own way? No, I, I mean, I think, you know, g- given the, the the politics and so forth, you know, I, I it's pretty easy for me to see Indonesia and Philippines getting together on this. Um, you know, they, they have a, a mutual interest or, uh, you know, uh, in, in terms of, of China and, and sort of curbing the amount of Chinese influence um, that they would like to have in that part of the world, um, you know, and, and uh, unfortunately, you know, New Caledonia could be another part of that but again i there's they're they're struggling um you know just just to be able to produce nickel at you know and and make a little bit of money off of it so um so i would say you know i think you could definitely see philippines not sure whether you'll see 
anybody else in. But but I think the key point is again Indonesia on its own um, is 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 more than OPEC was at its peak back in in the early seventies. So you know it'll be nice for them to have a few other people come along for the ride. But they don't you know they're they, you know they're they can be an ONEC of one and still have more more impact than than OPEC did at its peak. Got it ONEC. Good, good, good. Okay. Um, now the, I mean the the other the other thing I want to talk to you about is you know entities of foreign concern. Should, should we should we can we talk about what that actually means? Yes, yeah. So you know that just sort of rolls off off the tongue, doesn't it? It does. It, it, it does. It does. <laughs> that's right. Um, the um, the, the so what what that is is that's part of the Inflation Reduction uh, Act. Um, so. Uh, there was a couple things that were sort of a TBD in the actual legislation. One of them was the foreign content rules, and the government clarified that about a year ago. Um, but they they had kind of left this one hanging out there. And what that means is is you know again, there's a whole series of stuff. If you're interested, you know, go through it in some detail. I'm not going to get get into quite that much. But basically, you know, if if there are companies or entities that are in states that you know are contrary to the interests of of the United States, um, you know those co- you know those companies' projects can't be controlled by uh, you know have more than twenty five percent shareholder interest um, it, you know from one of these entities uh, of, of foreign concern. Um, you know the, the the big news there obviously is and Benchmark uh, Minerals put out a note uh, on that highlighting the fact that you know eighty two percent of Indonesian supply is majority Chinese controlled. So um, you know, so they, you know they won't be lining up for IRA subsidies, and and again, from a from a you know, uh, it, it'll be more difficult for uh, car company, U.S. car companies, Western European car companies to be you know they'll again they'll hold their nose and be using some nickel just because there's not you know not a lot of new supply coming on in the twenty five twenty six period until you know projects like ours come on later this decade, um, so. Uh, but but again, if they've got their choice, they they would like you know to get nickel from 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 you know from companies and and entities and projects that don't you know contravene stated U.S. policy, right? So so that's the key piece there. It that is what you just discussed is a seriously important factor that people need to you know uh, grasp and understand because uh, I see a lot of people kind of pushing back on the nickel uh, price uh, discussion, saying. Indonesia's got this covered. We've got all the nickel we need in perpetuity. Nickel uh, coming in for Indonesia and Philippines, uh, we're all good. That conversation just now is something people need, really need to dig into if they understand the the, the broader thematic for uh, where nickel uh, moves to and you know and, and when, etc. Okay, um, and again, just on the sticking with the macro for a little bit longer. My favorite story for the last couple of years. Uh, out of uh, LME and its behavior, but it looks like they might have just got away with it. So maybe a bit of background, and then tell us what the recent outcome is. Yeah, they dodged the bullet. So, so you know, for those of uh, the, uh, of of who you are who are new, you know, in March 2022, uh, there was a massive short squeeze in the market. LME nickel prices went up fifty thousand dollars a ton uh, in a few hours, um, and uh, and touched a hundred thousand dollars a ton. During that uh, massive run-up, and again, that was caused because the owner of Qingshan uh, had a massive short position um, and basically put several uh, brokers um, on the verge of going bankrupt. 
Um, so what the LME did um, was basically cancel a bunch of trades um, that happened over a several hour period. Um, you know, those of you, those of those market participants who are who were in those trades and thought they had made a lot of money, um, all of a sudden didn't make a lot of money. So some of those hedge funds were uh, a little upset. Uh, they took the LME to court, uh, and again, you you'd think in a in a you know in a functioning you know first world market that you know once a trade is done and confirmed that trade is done um the 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 thing here and this is how the lme got off they had some very broad regulations um that you know you know effectively you know in in order to maintain an orderly market they can do whatever they want um and whatever they whatever they deem at that point in time you know necessary to maintain the orderly operation of the market and so you know, based on that, the judges sided with the LME. So the hedge funds that had taken uh, the LME to court, you know, unsuccessful, did you know, you know, weren't able to win there. So uh, again, the LME's taken a bunch of steps to try and avoid that kind of uh, thing happening in the past. There's still a bunch more, I, you know, I think they could do there. But um, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, I, you know, that the chance of them winning was pretty remote. But I think a lot of people were hoping that you know somehow. <laughs> The LME would get a kick in the head for it, but uh, they're going to have to wait for another day on that front. Yeah. Nice one. Nice one. Well, look, uh, as promised, as advertised, uh, we're going to go through a whole bunch of company news. Um, we, we had sort of some, 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 some good reaction to uh, that when we did it last time out. Uh, let's see what happens this week. Uh, should we start with the sort of little, little darling of the sector, uh, Blackstone Minerals? Yeah, so it's, it's it's good. You know, they, they've um, they've been busy on a on a battery materials plant in in Vietnam, um, and then uh, they've had a focus on Manitoba, it's the province next to Ontario in Canada. I, I, to be honest, it's one of my favorite jurisdictions, and and kudos to them for picking up some properties in there. It's very pro mining. Uh, they have a hundred percent hydroelectric power from the grid, so you know exactly zero carbon footprint. And very cheap. You know, the power rates in in Manitoba are are among the cheapest um, in the world. And so um, they've signed an agreement, you know, sort of for a whole series uh, of option payments going forward and based on various milestones. You know, a set of deposits, uh, including Waboden and Bucko Lake. Um, now, uh, hopefully, uh, Bucko was a little uh, notorious during the mid two thousands run up. It was owned by a company called C A Nickel, um, and unfortunately. Uh, it uh, collapsed. Uh, that is not uncommon. And underground, you know, uh, ultramafic nickel deposits. You know, the rock. It again, it makes it easy to blast and 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 crush. Um, but it's not great if you want to have the roof above your head. You know, uh, stay above your head. Um, based on the investor materials that are going uh, that they're circulating, it looks like they're going to you know pursue these uh, at least initially as an open pit. You know, with with deeper underground potential as you go forward. So. Um, again, interesting. I've been this was literally announced last night. I haven't looked into it a great detail, but but I think that's a good pickup. And uh, you know, you know, because the, the, those deposits in the Thompson Belt, you know, they're narrower than the kind of deposits we have uh, in Timmins. But you know, they're higher grade. You're looking at you know points point five point six percent type grade. So um, you know, I, I would keep 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 an eye on this one. I think it was it was it was it was a good deal um, that they pulled yeah. together there. For sure, I mean, Blackstone's continue to surprise. They, you know, they they have obviously been um, going through the phases, but you know, not been content. They're very very aggressive. I, I really like it. Um, logical logical steps. Uh, 
We'll go down under. Widgie Nickel, uh, spin out from Neo Metals. Um, what do you make of those guys? Oh, I mean, good, good work there. Um, you know, it's always nice when you get a hole of nine meters at 10% nickel with a couple meters at 18% nickel. Um, you know, tremendous, uh, you know, this is infill drilling. So, you know, they, they pr- probably had some idea what they were going to get, but you know, the fact that it shows up at, again for people, you know, when I talk about, you know, the importance of, of, you know, of, of great, you know, that great isn't the, the, the only thing and, and you can have, a, you know, one or two good intervals. You know, this is a deposit that was mined twice before. It's been sitting for, you know, 15 or 20 years. These guys are doing a great job, you know, outlining um, the resource uh, that's there. So, uh, and, and building on it. But, but you know, these are the kind of grades you need because you'll end up with some disseminated next to it, you know, and, and we'll see, you know, it'll probably be, you know, sort of a reserve grade, you know, circa somewhere, you know, two to 3% with maybe a, a smaller amount, you know, that's at four or 5% um, that they'll, they'll mine underground. So, uh, you know, again, use these kind of, look for this, look for, they're going to put a, reser- a resource out in, in early 2024. So just take a look at some of the drill holes they've got and, and how that translates into an actual, uh, resource uh, or reserve and then you know as you're looking at other juniors who are putting out some drill results just just to always you know make that translation um, as you go through them okay and then we're going to make me to a, a new one now for for me anyway um, i found them nickel got a cu- couple of prospective um projects there but also past producing high grade point that's that's interesting yeah i think we've us? talked about them once or twice but they're you know they're seasonal drilling uh area okay. so that you know we're only going to see results from them for periods of time um you know once a year um but yeah this is a small it produced briefly in the 1950s i think um but it's in saskatchewan again great jurisdiction um and you know they, they've been getting a lot of smoke so you know they are getting some narrow great narrow higher grade you know couple percent multi-percent nickel um you know with within some disseminated so um you know this this is a very underexplored area so you know, just something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, a- again, hopefully, you know, some of that nickel will show up somewhere in in a bigger, thicker width uh, at some point. Okay, small, but got a chance. That's thing. The only, the only thing that worries me about companies, sort of, company, you know, sort of sub twenty million dollar companies is can they can they raise the keep raising the money at you know reasonable rates? Can they kind of keep going? So the, the yep. news when they when they move positive will be will be violent and, and positive, but equally. Um, it can move a sedentary, sedentary rate too. So yeah, in, in, interesting. Uh, a fr- f- friend of ours, um, and we have been definitely. I do you remember talking about these in several occasions? Uh, Centaurus, uh, how are they getting on? Yeah, so they they released a set of drill holes, sort of you know poking underneath um, the existing uh, resource, just to show the continuity and mineralization. You know, and again, you know that you're seeing um, decent intervals of one percent plus. You know, at depth, uh, <laughs> they'll be mining open pit down towards those. So um, but, but, but again, good to see. And, and, you know, I think they're looking to get their total mineralization, you know, up over that million ton mark of contained nickel, you know, which would, uh, would be great to see, uh, as well. Some other good infill drill results we've seen, and well, actually that's not infill, sorry, that was extension, um, is, is SBC nickel. We've talked a, a little bit, um, and, and again, some nice, this is an open pitable deposit in, in Sudbury, um, and some good infill. So, you know, a percent uh, width of nickel uh, with a little bit of copper uh, over five meters within a 50 meter interval grading 0.6 nickel with, with some copper. So again, open pitable grades with two mils um, in Sudbury um, sitting relatively empty. Uh, so, 
it'll be interesting to see. I think they're going to put a resource out um, in the new year. So it'd be interesting to see sort of how that all hangs together. Right. Okay. And so we're, we're bouncing around the globe at the moment. So we're back to Australia, Western Mine Group. Yes. Yeah, so um, Molga Tank, um, interesting deposit east of Kalgoorlie, just, just north of one of the roads heading east uh, out of Kalgoorlie. Uh, it, this is a Crawford type ore body. And what was interesting in the core of the deposit, um, you know, getting, you know, some multi hundred meter intervals, you know, north of 0.3%. And again, with the right nickel sulfur ratio, which is, should suggest that you should be able to produce a high grade uh, concentrate. Uh, again, Western Australia, uh, you know, more remote Western Australia is going to be challenging from a economics perspective with fly in, fly out labor costs the unfortunate cost of uh, power in in WA. Um, but uh, again, one to keep keep an eye on. It's a big, it's a pretty big structure uh, that they're drilling and the market cap right now is pretty modest. So I was pleasantly surprised to see this pop up uh, on the radar. Uh, you know, the other ones we've seen some results for uh, this, this week. So Alaska Energy, we talked about them. They'd released a first set of holes. There was a bunch of historic drilling there and that allowed them you know, to put out an initial resource of just over 300 million tons at 0.22% nickel with some copper and PGM. So again, not very many places to have nickel in the US. And and this is one place in Alaska that you've got some. So again, very early days um, for that company. So, you know, we'll see what they're able to pull together. And then premium nickel, um, you know, another set of, of, of drill holes, you know, consistent, you know, they're getting a good one and a half to 2% nickel um, with some, uh, some, some copper um, they, they hinted, um, they sh- showed some pictures of some, you know, you know, longer intervals of, of mineralization. Uh, the challenge there is it's all, you know, it's massive sulfide has a lot of puritite, um, in, in the ore body. So it's always tough to visually sh- understand exactly how much of the bright yellow, uh, is mineralization, but, uh, I'm assuming they'll be putting those results out here in the next few weeks. So something to keep an eye on. Okay. For sure. It's just, just back on the, on Alaska energy uh, metals. Um, yeah. With. With regards to you know a nick and sort of you know the sort of low low grade nickel project with copper and PGMs in there is a polymetallic deposit yeah effectively right what what's the best way to kind of position that company as a polymetallic or is that a little understood or do you need to kind of pick pick a pick, you know pick your metal and say that's what we are what's going to work for them yeah I think. Um- you know, the, I mean, sometimes, you know, depending on the, the value that's there, the, uh, you know, it can be truly polymetallic in this case, you know, it's, it's much more, um, nickel dominant. So, um, you know, what we'll see, um, I, I would say it'll, it'll be nickel dominant. Now, again, sometimes in these deposits, you get zones of mineralization that might have more copper, might have more PGM. So I would say it's a TBD on that front. So. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I think if we want to sort of bounce over to panoramic, panoramic resources, um, so again, in terms of they're looking for a buyer for the Savannah mine, so how are they getting yeah. on? Yeah, it's tough. This, so this was, and again, just you know to underscore the kind of grades you're going to need to make money underground, right? Underground is a two orders of magnitude more expensive than big open pit mines. And so you know, this is a past producer. It had a great run back in the 2000s. Um, they made a new discovery just underground, just just sort of a few hundred meters away from the initial deposit. Uh, 13 million ton resource at 1.5% nickel, 0.7 copper, and, and a decent cobalt grade. And so, you know, almost about 2% nickel equivalent. 
um, and they couldn't make it work. Uh, they restarted. They've really struggled, and now they've just decided to to you know sell the deposit off. So it's 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 too bad. You know, it's it's never good to see a, a nickel project struggle. It doesn't help the rest of us trying to get our projects going. But I just wanted to really highlight that you know again to underscore to people. If you're going to be mining underground, you need some pretty good grades to make the math work. So always, always, always doesn't matter what the metal is. Um, and I just sorry, so very something a bit, a bit near and dear to your heart. Um, carbon sequestration is in the news again at BHP. Yeah, so it was good. Arca is uh, UBC. Greg Dipple um, has been one of the pioneers in terms of mineral based sequestration, um, uh, and they've set up a separate company to sort of manage that intellectual property. Um, yeah, and so they've they're running a test with BHP, you know, to look at some more test work with Mount Keith tailing. So, again, anything that just you know helps advance the cause, you know, for uh, ultramafic rock and its ability to soak up CO two, you know, is helpful for all of us in in the ultramafic space. So, you know, it was it was good news to see you know BHP going on the path. They 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 count about thirty to thirty five thousand tons of CO two credits per year. Um, you know, from the existing tailings that have already been mined there. Um, so, uh, you know, good to see them continuing to push down that front further. Well, it's it's, it's good that they. I, I guess it's it's an endorsement from one of the big boys um, that there's an economic reality to that. This isn't just you know hearsay or sort of casual note side note. This is real for them. They wouldn't bother with with they if they didn't felt there there's some benefits to them and in terms of their balance sheet and also their their share price yeah no no it, again good very very good to see that you know people are really stepping up to to take a look at this for sure yeah okay um now <laughs> slightly slightly uh uh we're off track in in, in a little sense so you, and you don't often see this um Norlis, uh have done something quite exceptional you don't see very, very often. I've seen it in the oil and gas sector, but never, never in mining. So, what, what, what have they been up to? Yes. Yeah, so, so they had a bunch of assets in Southern Africa through the through Lion Ore, um, which was a uh, they acquired for about uh, five or six billion dollars back in 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 the nickel boom in two thousand six seven. Um, they 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 closed that they closed uh, all of them um, and. Uh, they they basically uh, had to pay someone because of the remediation cost that was there to get out of their remaining 50% uh, interest in this asset. So uh, as you said, don't see that very often. It does does happen, but you know, sad to see um, something uh, like this happen. Again, a commentary on just on the, you know, a lot of the Southern African deposits produce very low concentrate grades. And so really makes the economics challenging there. So uh, in in the current environment, um, so um, but, uh, yeah, that I think that's the last of their international assets, you know, that they effectively uh, acquired and wrote down to a zero um, shortly after they acquired them. So, it'd be interesting to see, see how they pl- uh, play that, or else um, uh, it was well, well, you know, so how how that all pans out in the oil and gas sector. What happens is eco oil companies will do the same thing; they'll pay big monies. You know, I've seen a couple hundred million um, bucks uh, change hands for someone else to take over the liabilities uh, from them. And what those companies tend to do is just, you know, if there's a, like a three-year, um, you know, re- re- reservoir life, um, these guys will stretch it out to 25 years, by which time the original management chamber are long gone with their bonuses, options, cash, and the rest. 
leaving it basically kicking the can down the road. So I, I'm not sure that is, is, is good, and I'm not sure anyone really cares at the moment, but perhaps they should look at these practices. Uh, certainly in oil and gas. I won't comment about Norilsk's uh, uh, deal here. I don't know enough about it. Um, financing. Yeah. There's, there's been a few, which is also good news. So um, should we start private and then go public? Sure. Perseverance metals. Yeah. So, no, again, a good sign of, of, of things. And, and there has been, you know, I would say things were pretty pretty moribund about six six weeks ago. But, you know, there are some signs of life emerging and, and these financings getting done. So Perseverance Metals is private. Uh, a bunch of the old FNX uh, crew uh, are, are in there um, and some other guys who've been involved in nickel sulfide exploration. So good to see, A, a good team uh, get involved in, in some more nickel sulfide assets. Um, and, you know, they've got properties in Quebec, Michigan, and Northwest Ontario. So, uh, you know, uh, as I've said many, many times, we need all the, uh, all the deposits and we've had very few new discoveries. So hopefully this is a team, you know, that can start to, you know, string together. Some of these deposits had some pretty, had some historic drilling on them. So, you know, I expect we'll see some pretty juicy, um, infill holes, um, to confirm some of the old drilling, um, that's there. Um, but, uh, again, good to see them, uh, out raising money. Uh, Fathom Nickel that we talked about earlier, uh, again, off the back of the results they got, you know, they're, they're uh, raising four and a half million dollars, which is, is again, good to see um, the smaller end of the market cap world uh, being able to uh, raise that money. Um, and then the other one that was is getting done and, and that announced recently was uh, Premium Nickel. They're doing 17 million of additional equity. You got upsized from 15, uh, which is good to see. Uh, the other part is they're expanding their debt facility. So, um, uh, you know, again, as someone who's who's done uh, a few uh, d- done a few bridge financings, uh, I just you know we've talked some about this company already, but I think it's very dangerous for exploration stage companies to be having debt you know that continues out for any period of time. You know, each of the bridge financings that we've done have been to a specific high probability financing event. You know, to to take that kind of debt risk without um, you know without you know, a high probability that you're going to have financing there within a short period of time. Again, each of the bridges we've done have only been for a few months. You know, it's just a little bit risky because again, if you get caught in in this market, which can be highly cyclical and your debt repayments comes during a point in time where the market doesn't like your metal, you know, it can cause a, you know, a pretty nasty squeeze there. So, um, you know, we'll see how that, we'll see how that goes. Again, hopefully that doesn't happen, but just, just, just giving people a heads up. Absolutely. Absolutely, but I, you say we 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 have we have talked about this on previous occasions, and in my life as, pre, as an investment banker, previously, um, we did not like to see companies with that kind of debt on their balance sheet with no degree of certainty. Degree of certainty, I agree with you, Mark. What a fantastic session um, this week! I really really appreciate you making the time. I know you're busy. You've got a few things to get done by the end of the year yourself. So um, I appreciate uh, today, and we'll see you soon. Sounds good, sir. <laughs>